Hey everyone, it's Beverly Hallberg. Welcome to a special pop-up episode of She Thinks, your favorite podcast from the Independent Women's Forum where we talk with women and sometimes men about the policy issues that impact you and the people you care about most. Enjoy. Welcome to She Thinks, the podcast for the Independent Women's Forum. I'm Inez Stepman, and I'm a senior policy analyst here at IWS, and I am so glad to be joined by my colleague, Julie Gunlock, who is the director of Independent Women's Forum Center for Progress and Innovation, and also the author of a book, From Cupcakes to Chemicals, How the Culture of Alarmism Makes Us Afraid of Everything and How to Fight Back. And fighting back is a, a bit about uh, of a theme for, for this episode, because we're going <laughs> to talk to Julie about her experiences with her local public school um, for her three kids. And we're going to talk a little bit about how she has been fighting back uh, um, to try to get her kids the education they deserve. So welcome, Julie. Thanks for having me on. I, I really, I like to talk about this subject so much because it's, it's quite a story. Yeah, so let's get into that story. You know, um, you have three kids in, in Alexandria public schools. Um, or, or at least you did, or perhaps that's, that's a little bit of, of a reveal, or we're, we're showing the end yeah. before the time. But um, <laughs> and what we're done. Your experience? And we're done. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, but what has, what has your experience been um, with your public schools, both before, uh, before this, this pandemic and then the, the school closures that have changed everything? Um, so a little bit about the, the pre, pre-corona life um, and, and what you thought yeah. of your public schools then, and then how that has changed or not changed um, in the last, let's say, eight months. Well, I was never really happy with the public schools. I had noticed things that were bothering me about my children's education long before coronavirus. And I think I'm like a lot of parents that I really, you know, it, it became much clearer, the problems. I started to hear what they were being taught. I started to see that they, uh, you know, the problems, not just with the curriculum, but, you know, the fact that, you know, certain things like they don't use work, they don't do worksheets anymore. Everything is computer-based. There's almost no books being read. It's just, there's an astonishing number of things that started to really come into sharp relief. So I wasn't really impressed, but I wasn't really fully aware before coronavirus. And as I mentioned, then coronavirus hit, all my kids were home. Um, and, and it was pretty dismal um, when the virtual school started for all of my kids. Um, <clears throat> there was very little, what I found, there was very little um, one-on-one uh, time with the kids. It was all, okay, we're all in this classroom together learning virtually. There wasn't a lot of um, opportunities for kids who might be having problems with the subject to get extra help. Um, we did, have, you know, at, at that in the spring because you know this happened in spring twenty or you know March twenty twenty when the schools closed down. Um, there were some teachers um, that were willing to, you know, for instance, my son's math teacher, um, you know, sort of had a, a private Zoom meeting with him and helped him through some of the math problems that he was struggling with. And so, you know, there were, you know, it, that, that there were some exceptions, but by and large, um, it was just, uh, you know, again, these big classrooms, everyone virtual, and they used so many platforms. So, you know, the kids would have to 
go to this other platform. I, I wrote about this, and I, I think I counted up, you know, something like 13 different platforms that they would use in one day. Plus, there's temptations. You know, some of the teachers, oh, okay, go watch this YouTube video and then come back to class. Well, you know, the fact that YouTube is available to the kids, now you can as a parent block it, but, you know, you then have to unblock it if they have to watch a video and then reblock it. And so sometimes, you know, kids are tempted. And my son, when, when you know, he was nine years old when this started. And that is a, an enormous temptation for kids, YouTube and some of these other platforms. So you also struggled with that. And the only way to stop that was to sort of hover over your child. So it didn't go well. Um, you know, I don't, this, the answer is already too long. The bottom line is I was, I was feeling uneasy about my children's education before coronavirus. And it, all of my fears were confirmed post coronavirus. Um, so a, a friend of mine, Mary Catherine Ham, uh, she she calls it Zoom butlering, um, with the, the hovering that you're mentioning. She she felt like yes. she was being she was being nothing more than a Zoom butler to, to yes. her kids, which I thought was such a good turn of phrase. I think it resonated with a lot of parents. Um, <laughs> you know, d- did you feel uh, that the school? was trying to work with you at all with your concerns? I mean, I, I guess what I'm asking is, uh, was it a matter of oversight? Was it a matter of, you know, having too many kids and it being an extraordinary time? Um, no. Did you feel yeah. like the school and the district were listening to you? No, 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 oh, no, no, no. And Alexandria School is really well known for two things. One is the absolutely horrible way they treat parents. Um, and two, they have a really bad special needs program. Um, they are sort of well known in the Northern Virginia area to have very poor um, services for special needs. For instance, um, even, you know, with school, Alexandria Public Schools have been closed now since March 2020. And what's so astonishing about that is that there are, there are children with very particular special needs who, who simply cannot learn in a virtual setting. And we're talking about kids on the, um, on the spectrum, you know, severe cases of autism where, you know, where you, can, you simply cannot sit still and stare at a screen. Um, and, and, you know, children with Downs and other developmental issues, um, there aren't that many. I don't know the total, um, but, you know, there, there are kids, uh, a small demographic of children who have very special needs. They didn't even bring those kids back. Um, they certainly have enough, you know, protective gear, and they certainly have enough space um, you know, Alexandria City Public Schools, there are several schools, they are all sitting empty. And so if you took that small number, I, I would suspect there's under a 1000 kids um, with special needs. I, and I, I could be off on that. But even if it's 5000, I don't know, even if it's, you know, a couple thousand, I mean, with the buildings being empty, they could divide those children into the and space them out and help them and offer some more one on one, but they haven't even done that. Um, kids with uh, that are learning English, English as as they're learning, you know, uh, those kids also have not been brought back. Um, and so you have, uh, you have these, those two, but also just regular parents who are having trouble, you know, I mean, <laughs> you can have a, a kid who doesn't have an IEP or any special needs or it, it speaks fluent English, and they still are going to have problems with the virtual learning. Parents endlessly complain about this. We have had so many school board meetings. There have been so many letters written. There have been letters to the editor 
just two nights ago, a, a father went on a local on you know WJLA, which is the local Channel Seven News, and talked about how his children are struggling and ACPS does not listen. They just don't listen to the concerns of the parents. And the worst part of this is that you've got a one-party system here in Alexandria, Virginia. All Democrats on the on every single elected official in Alexandria, Virginia, is a Democrat, a liberal Democrat. It is totally uh, the the mayor, the city council, the school board, the superintendent, everybody is sort of these liberal Democrats who all sit around and pat themselves on the back. There is massive groupthink going on. Nobody asks challenging questions. There's zero curiosity about ways in which systems can work better. And so that is a really dangerous situation because I sit there in the school board, I sit there and watch the school board meetings and the school board does not ask the superintendent any tough questions. It's sort of like watching the media interview Obama. It's sort of that same kind of <laughs> thing where there's just a lot of laughter, like what's your favorite kind of puppy? What what is your favorite kind of beer? You know, there's not what, what like is most of, enchanted you? What is most what enchanted most you about shutting you? down schools for the last right. and then you, and then, and then, yeah, exactly. And then you actually have a situation, one of our school board member, Margaret Lorber, okay, who's retiring, thank God, who, by the way, has no children at home. She, is, uh, she sits on the school board, and she's, she's much older, and her children have all left. I mean, they're adults. I think she has grandkids now. So she, has, she literally has, and her grandkids are like babies. So she has no children currently in the school suffering with this, you know, distance learning, okay? So th- just last week uh, during a school board meeting, she said, look, parents have to choose between educated kids and dead kids. And this was in response to parents who were saying, we really want you to open the schools. We really need our kids to go back to in-classroom learning. And so she literally <laughs> says to parents, look, it's a choice, dead or, or educated. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you, nobody, nobody on the board, the superintendent, nobody objected. When she said that, there wasn't even a sort of, you know, like, you know, the side eye emoji. No, there wasn't even a side eye. In fact, the camera immediately switched over to Superintendent Hutchings because I think he shifted in his chair. So he made a noise. So the camera went to him and he was just like scratching his nose and looking off into space. Didn't even resonate the, 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 the monstrosity of that statement. And so, again, I think parents really have realized during this, during the coronavirus, you know, response is that they have no one to go to. There is no advocacy for parents and for children, except for parents. I mean, but they're not heard. And in fact, they're sort of made fun of. They're sort of like, it's sort of this collective eye roll that you get when you complain. Um, and so it's, it's really troubling, but it's also been a wake up call. So there might be some changes afoot. Um, absolutely. And I, I, I think that uh, one of the underrated, since we're doing this podcast for School Choice Week, um, one of the underrated um, consequences of, of passing a school choice program is often for those families who actually do stay with the public school, who maybe don't want to leave the public school for whatever reason, they like their teachers or they like uh, a lot of things about the school or their kids have good friends there, uh, whatever reason. It, it 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 would really I think help to uh, uh, get a little bit of attention um, placed on the satisfaction of families and parents and students when you know that paycheck is actually connected in any way shape or form 
um, to how parents are experiencing school and how their kids are experiencing the school. Um, but, but speaking of paychecks, right, so, so um, the response from uh, a lot of folks on the left or from districts themselves has been, well, we don't have the money to do this, right? Um, oh. we, we can't possibly adapt to, um, you know, safely to be able to reopen in-person school um, because we don't have the money to do it. And those evil Republicans and evil Donald Trump has not um, given us enough money to do that. So uh, the average per pupil expenditure in the state of Virginia is around $12,000 overall. But, but Arlington County, where your kids are going, is, is around $19,000 per student. Um, and, and, and I know you, you said that, in fact, you went to go check how much uh, uh, one of your kids uh, has earmarked yeah. for his education. And it was, why don't you just say what the eye-popping yeah. amount is? Yeah, so I've looked into this, too, because I've heard that excuse as well. And not only, it's interesting, you don't, you, you don't just hear that from school officials and school board members. You actually hear it for par from parents who are legitimately worried about teachers, right? So they say that because they heard it somewhere and they actually believe it. And so I've several times had to put the picture up of the Alexandria City school budget. And I'm like, hey folks, it's around, it's actually around 18.5 per student. And then, um, but my child has an IEP. Um, and so an IEP is an individualized education plan. And so for instance, my son has attention issues like many, many boys, not, not that interesting, frankly. And, um, and, but he is like, you know, given certain accommodations, a little bit longer time to take a test or he can cut it up into bits or he can have a quiet part of the classroom, little things like that. He also has like people who come around and make sure he's actually doing the, the work that he's supposed to be doing. So sort of like some prompts and some reminders. And, 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 and anyway, there's a, a several, several little things that are in my son's IEP. And this is a, this is a federal law. Like the schools have to make these accommodations for kids. Well, it, for IEP kids, um, schools at, at Alexander City, for my child, he got 32, my child was worth $32,000 to the school. Think of what I could do. So, and for that, oh my gosh. I mean, so I mentioned earlier, Alexandria City is known for a couple things. And one thing is they're really dismal special ed services. Okay, special needs. IEP, and this runs the gamut. This runs from, you know, you know, you know, the pro problems with, you know, attention deficit disorder to um, Down syndrome. There's a whole slew of things that, you know, conditions that would warrant parents to get an IEP. Um, and so, so they have terrible services. And in those years, I experienced things like being told. So one thing that my son has trouble with is, is, um, is actually physically writing. And it's a, basically the theory is that he, he has very, he's able to read and he's very verbal. And he's, um, he's, he's frankly rather gifted in, in terms of his verbal abilities. And so he will, he will have these racing thoughts and it's just very hard for him to keep up with it. And, and he can't, and he, when he was very little and learning to write, it's frustrating because you know, kids are learning to write and they don't get their letters right. And, and so to have all these racing thoughts and then not to be able to put them on paper. So he really hates writing. He hates it. And then at some point he just decided I don't like it. And he was very stubborn about it. I, I, I was told to give up. I was told I had, I, it got so bad that I had to have a meeting with the head of special services for the entire, like the head honcho 
of the city public schools special ed had to meet with me to convince me that it was not worth fighting and that I should just give up. And that so they gave him some word word to text technology so he could talk basically into his computer, which frankly was embarrassing for him in class. So there were a whole set of issues associated with it. I will tell you, Inez, I, I know I'm racing ahead here, but I ended up pulling him out this year, mostly because of the virtual schooling, but also because of my continued problems. Within two months of doing the homeschooling with him, his penmanship is beautiful, straight. He uses, he, he doesn't reverse his letters. He has actual beautiful handwriting. He's more than willing to do it. He's picked up the pace. It took two months. I was told four years by the Alexander City Education, Special Education Department that my son, hey, don't worry about let's just, and it is because he was a problem in the classroom. He, they, they did not take special time with him. They, they just wanted to find some sort of technology that would fix it so they didn't actually have to teach. So that is one of the things that I constantly need to remind myself I'm doing the right thing, the penmanship, the writing alone. But 32000 not even with $32,000, that's what I got. I got give up and he'll never do this. And it's better to just, you know, give up on him, essentially. That's what $32,000 gets you in Alexandria City Public Schools. That, that just breaks my heart it, it, that, that you had to fight with them for so long and, you know, that, that it turned out to just need, well, you I, know, I, your son just needed this, this small amount of attention that, like, and, and not, and not needed, uh, obviously, yes, yes. you're a great mom and a great homeschool teacher, um, but it just took two months after these years of, and I'm yep. sure it's like embarrassment and frustration for him too. Yes, you know, uh, yes. he could have easily like, gone his whole life is, thinking is, that he hated writing. This is really, this is a really important addition to that. And I'll be quick. I want you, uh, I think, and as you would characterize me as you once t- on Twitter, you called me tenacious or something, which I thought was such a great, great word. I think you know that I, I'm a pretty strong personality and I'm not e- one to easily give up. I give up. I said, okay. After so many meetings, after it being beaten into me, they brought in specialists to talk to me about why it's not worth the fight, why it's not worth the effort. I believe them. And that is what parents will be told constantly in a public school setting, that you, are, you don't know. You don't know your son the best. You don't know your kid the best. And I am one of these people, you know, I... I don't want to say that you, I have always said you shouldn't totally ignore the experts, right? I really, I really think it's important to consider, you know, what people say who are experts in a certain field, but it is a, it is, it is often used these technologies and this sort of give up mentality is used in public schools because they simply don't want to do the work. And I know that I'm in a school district with a sort of dismal department, a special needs department, and perhaps, other school districts are better. This is what I've experienced. But it is kind of shocking to me when I look back on that, that I did. I fought, I fought for, for years, but, um, but I ultimately I gave in. And that's, that shocked me. So uh, let, let's, let's go on a little happier note here. Um, you know, what have you before seen? I you know, cry. What, what have you been doing the last year before I cry? Um, what have you been doing at home with, with uh, your son? I know, I think one of your, your kids is still in public school. So I would say, you know, yeah. give our listeners like a, a brief overview of what you do each day sure. at homeschooling. Yes. Yeah, so we do have one child still in the public schools. And really it's because he's finishing up 
elementary school. He loves his teachers, and he really brings me back just to say, it's elementary school. It's easier to um, for us to deal with, and we actually have hired a tutor um, for him, so we feel like he's in good shape. But he is he. All of our kids will be out next year, and my middle son is in a in a um, Catholic school. We enrolled him in a Catholic school. Um, I am. This is the first year for me homeschooling my oldest, and he's the one with the greater needs. So, and I felt like I really needed to take some level of control and extreme control of his education. Um, and so it's great. It's really wonderful. I have always worked for home, from home, so it's possible. To, it's been an easy transition. I know for others it, it might be more difficult, although I will say I think businesses are going after this whole episode, not to go off on another tangent here, I think businesses will probably ease up. I think people will have a lot more flexibility, uh, you know, post-COVID-19 um, with their jobs. So I hope more parents are able to do this. But because I work from home, I, I you know, I, I, I do have that ability. And what's great about it is, is, you know, we sort of concentrate on the other two in the morning. My husband and I, you know, get up, we're getting coffee, we're getting breakfast, and we sort of get the other two situated. And then I, you know, I let him sleep in a little. And he is, you know, look, he's 13. He loves sleep. So I get him, you know, I get him up a little bit later, and then we go down, and we actually set up an office. He has a little desk. I have a little desk. And we work side by side. I work, and then he does his work. I use a curriculum called Memoria Press, which I love them so much. I want to do. I want to do advertisements for them, unpaid. I love them. They, they <laughs> it is a wonderful curriculum. Um, and and believe me, <laughs> believe me, I am I am not affiliated at all with Memoria Press aside from buying their curriculum. It is. They really help parents, um, especially starting out. It's what's called a school in a box. So literally, I have a guide every single week. I have, you know, you know, I'm up to like, you know, week I don't know, week 20 now in some some subjects, and you know, it says, you know, this is the chapter you do. These are the workbooks you do. This is the workbook pages. It's very easy to follow along. And so we, you know, we have a real schedule. We each day, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays are math and science. The other days are the other um, classes. He's he's finished um, an entire year of curriculum in three subjects. Um, before Christmas, he finished three subjects an entire year that quickly. Um, he's doing marvelously well. I've had to, I've ha- now had to buy the next year of curriculum at Memoria Press because he's working at such a rapid pace. Um, he's 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 a marvelously smart kid, and he's done so well. And I I really I'm really able to see this. And you know I think when he was in the schools, I felt worried and nervous and concerned. And now I see just what a bright I always knew he was bright, but 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 I I can see his abilities um, and how how capable he is um, to get through these subjects, and he enjoys them. So it's been it's been a, a wonderful experience. So suffice it to say that I I think you will not be returning to public schools um, to, to no. Alexandria Public Schools with your kids. <laughs> um, but I, let's let's close on this note. What? You, you, your family has made some real sacrifices to, you know, yeah. especially, um, you know, obviously it takes time. It is difficult even working from home, juggling uh, school and, and work. Um, and then for your other kids, you know, you're, you're looking at putting them in private school. I mean, this, this has been yeah. a real sacrifice for your family, which, you know, you've made for your kids. But uh, I, I know you're very cognizant of the fact that not everybody is able to do that. Not everybody's in a financial position to do it. I mean, um, but but even for for folks who are you know middle class and relatively comfortable, I mean this is this is a a a big sacrifice. So 
how would, if we add up the, um, the $32,000 for your son's IEP and, and use the, the 18.5 for your other two kids, right? You're, you're, you're looking at, uh, um, you know, about 70, more than $70,000 yeah. a year right. that the taxpayers, we all are spending on specifically your kid's education. I mean, what could you yeah. do? With seventy thousand dollars, oh so let's my close god! On that. Like, oh what god. would you do if, if, if you know, we had school choice, school choice week? If, if uh, Alexandria was a universal ESA education savings account district where they just deposited seventy thousand dollars for in, in an account for Julie Gunlock's kids, you know, what would you do for them with that money? What would you do for their education? I, 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 I have to say, if I got that money every year, I. I I know this, you know, certainly sounds silly. I would probably quit my job at homeschool. If that could be if that could be transferred as a salary so I could teach. I would love I frankly would love to do more homeschooling. But to think of the unique needs of my son, to hire, you know, more tutors for him or to take, you know, to, you know, to take him to see things he he definitely loves to learn by viewing things, but there are schools set up that, that are, you know, designed to help children. We, we, this summer, he took some uh, summer classes at a school that does one-on-one, one-on-one learning. I mean, it's expensive, but it's not 70,000 and it's not even 32,000. We actually looked at actually doing that instead of homeschooling. And it would have been about, you know, 25 to 30, really topping up at upper 20s, but that would have been his own teacher for every single class. The, the innovation that is out there, if it were, if parents had access to this, if that money were put in a savings account and then my husband and I could say, you know what, my middle son is really into sports, you know, that these particular schools, you know, do a really great job at baseball, we could send him there. You know, my other child is much more artsy. It's really interesting. I have these very three very different children. He's very artsy. He loves to write and he loves to, you know, sort of do plays and art. And I would, I would love to send him to an art school, you know. And then again, my oldest either continue to homeschool him with the added assistance of tutors or look at a one-on-one learning environment for him. The the thing that has amazed me, and and as you know, it's funny because you came on board at I've been I IDBF, I swear since I was like 16 years old, not quite that long, but but you came on board, and it's like I've learned so much from you about the issue of education, and but part of the reason my curiosity about education, I mean, I'd already sort of you know I followed the school choice issue, and I sort of knew about you know the, the how public schools have always received buttloads of money, I knew those issues, but it became such a personal issue for me because of what happened with coronavirus. And as I've said, I've said this to you and many others, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, this is, 2020 was the worst year ever. I wrote about this, how I will always see 2020 positively because it really brought me to homeschooling. It opened my eyes about the, the possibilities for education, the innovation that's out there to help, care, help kids. Um, and, you know, and I think there really are some affordable options, you know, for, for parents who are struggling. And I want to just also say, it's never too late to start. You know, my Jack is, is in eighth grade, and I thought, oh, it's too late. It isn't. It really isn't. He has learned and grown so much in just a short amount of time, and he's never going to go back to a traditional school. 
So I'm really looking forward to these next years of helping helping him, you know, grow and and in his education. Um, so I encourage people to really look at these options, but keep doing what you're doing, Inez, because I I really hope more parents get the option to choose what's best for their kids. Well, right back at you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for sharing. I can't think of a, a better note to end this podcast on. Um, thank you for sharing these these personal stories about your family. I, I, I really hope, uh, there, there, I'm sure there's a lot of families out there who are struggling with their schools. They're struggling with the same dismissal that you got and the same disrespect that you got um, when they're, they're fighting for their kids to have a quality education that's going to set them up for, you know, life and, and happiness yes. and success, um, which is yes. what we all really want. Uh, so thank you so much again for sharing your story. And, and to our listeners, this has been uh, an episode of She Thinks, the IWF podcast. I'm Inez Stepman. You've been listening to Julie Gunlock. Uh, and we're talking about School Choice Week for school, for uh, to celebrate School Choice Week. It, it comes around at the end of January every year. But I think uh, in, in 2021 has special significance given what we've all been through for, for the last year, but um, especially in the education system. So Julie, thanks so much again. And, and for our listeners, thanks for tuning in. 